Hello everyone, welcome to Oh Wow the Podcast, a weekly recap and analysis of every episode of Skins UK starting from the very beginning. I'm your host, Augustine, and today we're getting into Season 4, Episode 4, Katie. So today I'm happy to announce that we are rejoined by friend of the pod, TJ, whose first guest appearance was on Season 2, Episode 6, Tony, if you guys want to go back and listen to that and get to know the little introduction about TJ and how he got into skins in the first place. And yeah, we're so happy to have you back today. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Like, I didn't have to reach out this time. Uh, so in my mind, I was like mind blown that I'm being asked back. So <laughs> thank you so much. And I'm realizing I keep coming to defend the characters that are assholes. Um, so here we are again. <laughs> We're learning so much about ourselves through this yes. podcast. <laughs> what do you think of season four in general? Because I am kind of a hater, but I try to be like nice about it. <laughs> I'll be honest. It was, So, okay, 15-year-old me, when I first got into the show, this was probably my second favorite season after season or series two. But I was also an angsty teenager at the time. So like I was here for that high drama and I haven't gone back and watched season four in probably at, at least four, maybe five years. Um, so coming back to this episode specifically, like I remember all of the broad strokes of the season. And like, as I was watching this episode again, I was like, oh yeah, this and this and this. But in my mind, it's probably better then I would like it now as an adult, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember it being so good when I was younger and now rewatching, I'm like, a lot of this is like really right. cheesy and like so melodramatic. Oh, yeah. So, so it's going to be fun to get into this episode because there's just, it's not like a super plot heavy one. It's just kind of like a little more lighthearted, I guess. Yeah, I, it's kind of like a. I also like the Tony one. I think it's very like a character study, uh, and I think both Tony and Katie really needed this because, correct me if I'm wrong, before this point, like I don't think Katie was likable at all. Right, I would agree with you. This definitely made her more sympathetic, and yeah, just diving into these characters that are really aggressive, and you definitely can't like understand where they're coming from until you see their thought processes and how they like deal with their emotions right so the episode starts with katie she's getting all dressed up i like hate this outfit that she's wearing i've seen some people (laughs) in the forums and stuff talking about like why is she wearing this old lady outfit yeah like okay this episode so much is emphasized through like the clothing and like as she's putting each one on like each one just is like her armor and like at this point i think we're looking at a katie that is she's trying to be perfect she's trying to be someone her mother wants her to be and be this perfect version of herself and i think that's shown through this clothing and we'll see her become more and more herself as the episode goes on yeah she's definitely putting on the adult costume in this opening yes like she wants to be this adult so badly but she's still just a teenager and even dating this older guy so like we see uh, him outside mr fitch is trying to invent this new like workout machine because we know that their family's going broke and the gym's gone bankrupt and the boyfriend is there okay he's such a dweeb and i know that's the point and back to katie trying to establish the perfect life with this boyfriend like okay if you're trying to get the perfect life, she could totally do better. Like she is such a catch. Even if even if she's awful before this point, she's a very beautiful woman. Like Katie, come on. Right. This guy is just some random 35-year-old man. <laughs> like who is he's, he? He's like balding. <laughs> like what are you doing, Katie? No. <laughs> and we see him being actually a douchebag in a couple of scenes so we'll like get to that in a minute his lovely because you could say maybe he's a really nice guy and he's really good to her but we find out that that's not true so right he has no redeeming qualities and we see that katie was getting all dressed up because she's helping her mom with the new bridal planning company that they have yeah i i have to say i love katie's 
first of all, everyone this season has amazing hair. All of them, like Emily and Naomi, hair, chef's kiss. Katie as well, like this darker red that's almost like a plum purple. I just love it. I just had to get that off my chest. (laughs) It's important to say, yeah, Katie looks great in this episode. Like her makeup and hair are really good. If she doesn't win the Bristol's best, I'm coming for you. She does. Don't worry. I'll just say it now. (laughs) So you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we get some insight into like the bridal planning world. It's their first client that they have. And of course the client's like super obnoxious and bossy and rude and like super entitled and the daughter who's getting married, her name is Brandy. She's just kind of like a dum dum a little bit. And the mom is really like obnoxious. And they talk about how they're going to have a hen night, which I'm guessing is like a bachelorette party. Don't ask me. I am okay. the most. Yeah, I'm like asking you, like you would. <laughs> I don't know. I don't do like bachelorette parties or anything. But there's it's a. Gotta be. It's a sluts and studs theme, so, you know, (laughs) we're getting a little naughty. (laughs) This line sticks out in my mind, because Katie has the cutest little lisp, and, like, when she says it, I'm like, oh, I just love you, I want to, like, pinch your cheeks, I love her. The, like, sluts and studs. (laughs) Yes, it's so endearing, I love it. It is. When she's talking to Thomas later in the episode, you really hear it, too, and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, buddy. (laughs) I mean, is it? So when I was watching it younger, I was like, how am I going to tell these two twins apart? And that was like one of the one of the main qualities that I was like, oh, okay, that's Katie. And yeah. also she's just awful most of the time. <laughs> but the lisp is cute. Yes. So we find out about this party. She's just kind of like, okay, whatever. She leaves this day of work to go to the Bristol and Avon Health Center where she consults with the people there and the woman working there says that she's not pregnant which is a relief to katie at first and then she says you have premature menopause and it's so horrible that you're not going to be able to have kids which of course like with this show the doctor has no bedside manner and it's just like damn are you sad that you're fucked up she's (laughs) like pushing the kleenexes (laughs) towards her slowly Like, it, it is so sad that she's like, do you do you want us to call your mom? And you just like, Katie doesn't say anything. And just knowing what I knew going into the episode, I was like, it's so sad that she can't say yes in that moment. Like, she hesitates and can't confide in her mom. And it just makes me want to cry. Yeah, like, I was interested to see how it would go talking with you about this, because like, just like this may not be an issue we worry about too much in our day-to-day lives but like I do sympathize with her for like going through this and obviously yeah not feeling she has like family to talk to about it right and I think when we had spoken last time I was like oh you know season four if, if you get to Katie and you don't have anyone to talk about it I'm game but I think I also said like if there's someone more appropriate for it like <laughs> A woman, because I am not a woman. So, like, yes, men can also be infertile. But I think this episode is talking specifically about how much self-worth is being put on women and the ability to have children uh, and going through childbirth. And in this episode, I think it's talking about how Katie is specifically raised by her mother. But we have to look at, like, the patriarchy and expectations that are being put on women. And these are all things I'm very passionate about. But I'm not a woman. So I am here uh, as your, your uh, what's the word, like, stand-in man for this. <laughs> but I'm like, you have more insightful, like, thoughts on this subject than I do even. So that's good. Because <laughs> okay. I'm just like, I don't want kids. So right. I don't know. But... I don't mean to, like, for any listeners, I don't mean to be insensitive talking about this topic. Like, we're very aware that we're probably not the best people to, like, go into all the nuances. But just, like, as far as feeling for Katie and seeing it be a struggle she goes through. And I was thinking, like, with Emily being gay and then Katie not being able to have kids, it is all about the mom's expectations of them being these, like, perfect, quote-unquote, like, white picket fence normal kids and now it's like oh neither of them are gonna be that exactly and i think we're seeing 
the mother, who I'm going to call her Jenna because I found out that was her name. Yeah, yeah. Through the subtitles while watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're seeing her realize she's also not lost her perfect life. So it's really neat to see both generations doing that at once and like coping together. I thought that was really beautiful. Um, but to tie it back down to not being able to have children and how much we can relate to this, um, not that it's the same thing, but I probably accepted that I was gay when I was like 15 and I always wanted to have children and always had that expectation put on me from my mother because she really wants grandchildren and I really want children. So there was a point when I was 15 where I was not depressed about it, but I was kind of down on myself because this life that I had imagined going forward, I suddenly couldn't have. So like, I kind of went through something similar, but I, you know, my thing wasn't so dramatic and had nothing to do with being a woman and the patriarchy. Um, But just thinking about it now, I'm like, you know what, I can relate a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think everybody, like, in the US, I guess, there's like that picture-perfect family image and then whatever happens if you realize you won't ever have that there is like this mourning of like exactly what you think is going to be your future even if you're happier without that like it's just knowing that there's so much like benefit to having that too especially with like having access to resources and having like community and just not having to deal with the challenges of deviating from that norm. And we all forget that adoption exists. Right. <laughs> and then and then I turned 20 and I was like, oh yeah, adoption. I've just started telling people because I'm an only child. So it's like there is some pressure of like, well, if I don't carry on the family, like no one's going to do it. Right. So I had to come up with something. So I'm like, listen, if I'm 40 and I like want to have a kid, I'm just going to take one in like wolves raise children you know and i'm just gonna like nurture it (laughs) rather than leaving it alone in the woods or whatever so yeah and you can both start a podcast together and go visit (laughs) skins again in your 40s (laughs) exactly i'll just like mentor some weird kid that was already gonna be fucked up and like that's the backup plan yeah (laughs) you can always do that exactly what's more skins like than that exactly so then so she leaves obviously she's extremely emotional about this and sam her boyfriend is so reassuring and understanding oh yeah he's like woo (laughs) he starts dancing and celebrating that she's not pregnant even though she's obviously crying and like needs to talk about something so we see she tells him to fuck off like right away which i found interesting because like to me this moment is really bringing katie crashing back down to reality like she's been trying to have this perfect life to meet her mother's standards uh but right away she's like realizing her perfect life isn't real um and it was i feel like she already knew that because it was just such a sudden thing she's like you can just fuck off like i'm done with this i i tried and i've now failed yeah yeah i also thought it was interesting that And it also goes to show just a little bit about Katie that she's a very strong woman and she's just going to be like, go the fuck away if you're not helping me. (laughs) Yep. That's why I like this episode so much, I think, because she, it just shows how strong she is. And uh, I'm going to come back to that idea here in a little bit. Cool. Yeah, we go back to the house, and there's a lot of just the parents arguing basically this whole episode, which is like slightly grating on me to listen to yelling all the time. But it's the same stuff that we've already known, which is that they're bankrupt, and the dad like lied about the finances for a really long time and hid how bad things were to the point that, you know, they drop the D word. They say we're going to get a divorce. <laughs> Um, we have that bench scene where she's just, Katie's sitting on the bench looking out and like, I don't think it's the same bench that Cassie was on in Generation 1, but like, I'm here for this bench parallel though. Mm-hmm. There's things that Skins does where like, if a character is sad, they run, they wear yeah. a hoodie, they <laughs> sit on a bench. <laughs> like, I'm here for these things. 
Yeah, I was getting so happy about that in the last episode with Cook and Naomi sitting under a blanket, drinking and smoking, and I was like, this is what we do! Like, this is quintessential Skins action moment. (laughs) Uh, That's a really good episode, too. Like, this season is so depressing, but I think there's a lot of really beautiful episodes. It's brutal, yeah. Um, so we pan to the sluts and studs party and immediately (laughs) everyone is insufferable. We see this friend of the bride. I didn't catch her name. Did you? The girl with the pigtails? Was it? My mind goes to candy, but I don't know if that's right. I'm just, I might just be manifesting that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just calling her Blondie in my head. I'm like, this Blondie. Blondie sounds close enough. (laughs) Yeah, I'm blonde, so I'm like, I can say this. Like, she's just some Blondie. She's dating Katie's ex, Danny, the soccer player guy. That was what that was, right? Um, she had like the jersey that had his name on it. Oh, like, uh, that see that part. She was like, I didn't know what to put on your jersey, and then she turned around, and I didn't look quick enough to see what it said, and I was like, All right, I'm just gonna move on and hope we don't talk about this. But okay, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I think the tension was starting between the girls because this right. girl was dating Katie's ex, and so. <sighs> That's why things were, like, immediately weird, and she was being like, oh, Katie, I thought you'd have, like, bigger tits, and blah, 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 blah. She was like, you're uh, the okay. ex. That makes way more sense now. <laughs> it's not just, Hopefully like, random. I wasn't the only person that didn't pick up on that. Don't worry. I got you guys. I got you. Yes, so thank you. That's where the tension at this whole party starts. And then we have Effie and Freddie, and it's like, oh, her other ex. Great. Right, Katie's just like, damn, I really cannot catch a break. And Effie's just being so, like, just drunk and whatever, casual, being like, Katie, come hang out. (laughs) I have to say, her outfit in this scene, like, we mentioned her being in mourning over her loss of, like, childbearing. And, like, her in black, I was just like, first of all, it's a great outfit. And then the, the sentiment behind it, I'm just like, yes. I definitely... Wait, this isn't the one with, this isn't the outfit with the, like, giant gold hoops and the dress that she wears, like, through the rest of the episode, is it? Oh, I thought it was. I think it is. Okay, I might have just put it in a wrong, but this is what I gave the Bristol's best, was Katie's outfit for, like, the rest of this episode. Uh, Yeah. I literally have that in my notes. I'm like, Katie better win (laughs) Bristol's best here. Yes, she does. She's wearing this, like, corset top with, like, a skirt and fishnets and beige pumps, and she has, like, giant gold hoops and this big, like, long gold necklace that we used to wear around that time, the, like, big sort of, like, statement oversized necklaces. Yeah, like, I think this episode is, like, not this episode, this scene with this outfit is, like, I don't think Katie would have worn this outfit in this scene if she hadn't gone through um, that doctor's visit, because this is very much more the Katie we know, and she's come, like, she is back, the bitch is back, Yeah, I think that she's like, move, you're in my way, like, Katie is the head bitch in charge, I'm here for it, and when she... Uh, punches her in the face and says, I'm Katie fucking Fitch. Who the fuck are you? Like, that is easily in my top 10 skins moments. Like, it's just so, so empowering. But also she's hurting. So, like, it's a really powerful moment, I think, with a lot of depth. Yeah, she's a badass in this. And that line is so iconic. It's, like, the most famous Katie line so I was happy to see that scene, and I I got like chills a little bit. I was like, "Ooh, yeah, like, kicking ass!" It's so good, and I think it's because we've it's so good because we've seen her like not not lose everything, but I think she feels like she's lost everything. So seeing her be so um, like owning owning this moment and being true to herself and standing up for herself is so powerful. Yeah, she kicks ass, and then she walks out. Obviously, they, like, lose this client because um, you can't really, like, beat up the bridesmaids and get in fights and still get paid for that. (laughs) I haven't tried it, but I'll take your word. I mean, at least, like, outside of the East Coast, it's generally frowned upon. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, it is a great scene. 
obviously the bridal planning gig kind of goes south, but who cares? We never see these people again, so it doesn't matter. And she goes and sits with Effie outside, and just the way that she had, like, the smudged eyeliner and the fishnets, I thought it was really showing how much she and Effie kind of are alike. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, like, they were... So back on Tumblr in 2015, Katie and Effie were a huge ship at the time. I don't know how popular they still are, but like rewatching this scene, I was like, oh, this is so gay. And like back then, I think in my 15 year old me, it was like, oh, we already have the lesbian twin. Like Katie can't also be queer, but these days I'm like, everyone's queer it would make so much more sense if katie was also gay and that's why she had so much like hostility towards emily too if she was like how come she gets to come out and i don't yeah i feel like there's something there like she could totally be bisexual or pansexual i'm here for it definitely i also wrote a note that (laughs) just me being sassy is that effie looks like she just left a passion pit concert because effie has like (laughs) she just looks so tumblr like as you're talking about tumblr just like the headdress kind of headband thing and i'm like you look like (laughs) back to no not not back to but more on the effie and katie like yeah situation here uh forgive me if you've already talked about this but do you think back last season when Effie hit Katie in the head with a rock, do you think Katie was actually like harassing her? Or do you think Effie was like just completely imagining it? Because I think depending on how you interpret that scene, it really affects how um, how relatable Katie is and how sympathetic we are to her. So I always kind of thought that Effie was just tripping and like, kind of unprovoked attacked Katie but this episode kind of changed my opinion on that because of the fact that Katie is like able to forgive Effie for what happened I'm like I think Mm -hmm. if it was completely unprovoked she would be so much angrier with Effie but I think she knows she like played some role in what happened that night too that's a really good point like when I watched it (laughs) however many years ago Mm -hmm. i took it at face value where i was like oh katie harassed her but then once i've read other uh interpretations of it i was like oh well maybe it falls somewhere in the middle but i like that that makes a lot of sense and i think you're right because i'm like if i jumped on someone and they hit me i would be pissed but like it would be like whatever over time but if i was just minding my business and someone beat me over the head with the rock i'm like there's no way right i mean unless katie just really wants to bang f i mean maybe i would look past it then but i think you're onto something that is such a like wattpad story is like okay so she gets like brain damage from the rock hitting her and it like unlocks her secret like gay lust for oh my god this okay this is like, <laughs> this same scenario is in my mind what I wanted from Tony and Maxie. Because <laughs> Tony got hit by the bus and then I'm like, please be gay for Maxie, please. It's like probably like problematic for us to be like, no, being gay could be the result of brain damage sometimes if it's hot. Right? It just, you know, sometimes you get hit in the head and then you have an epiphany. That's how we can put it. The other sternum needs a... Uh, a, a gay love interest give yeah. Effie katie please oh my god <laughs> i do think it was very big of katie to admit that she and freddie weren't in love yeah here in the scene i that spoke to me i was like okay like katie can admit when she's wrong I'm, i like that well do you think effie and freddie are in love that's a big question oh my gosh <laughs> we can get that's, back that's to a it question later. i'm not prepared for but i totally have an answer okay i I think they are in love. I think it's that that teenage love, like a first love. Um, they're very sweet. I don't think they would have lasted. I mean, well, you know, mm. you know, mm. not to spoil anything, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if I were to look to the future, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think they would have lasted. Um, I don't think Naomi and Emily should have lasted at this point. I think Naomi and Emily definitely should have broken up uh, just because of seeing how toxic they are in this episode. Uh, but I would have liked them to get back together um, if we're looking at it, like, realistically. I, I, you know, everyone in this show probably shouldn't stay together if we're being real. <laughs> true, 
True. But I think Cook is definitely in love with Effie. Uh, maybe in a toxic way, but I think he is. And I think he's a little bit in love with Freddy as well. I will argue that. Yeah, definitely. I think so. <laughs> I'm going to make everyone gay. The SETI ship or whatever it's called. <laughs> Cook and well, Freddy. They, okay, Cook and Freddy canonically had a threesome with a girl in the novel that takes place right before this season i read it one summer a couple years back and i was like no way shout out to someone who emailed me out of the blue their name is sims hot dogs and they have like a youtube channel doing sims versions of skins and they drop boxed me the skins novels that i have to read still and they wanted nice yeah so if you're listening to this i got your emails I just have to read the books. <laughs> That's the only one I've read. It was really fun. It's basically like Naomi fanfic with some other random plot lines. I think Effie is like on vacation with her mom. Um, and I want to say there's some Effie Katie scenes, but I could be making that up. Hmm. I'll have to read them and we'll get into that yes. when I do. Get to that threesome, please. <laughs> oh my God. Who knows what happened? Your mind can go wild. <laughs> So getting back into the episode, the Repo Men show up at the Fitch house to take all their furniture and belongings away, and they bravely decide to pack bags and flee out the back with no plan of where they're going to go. Yeah. Katie's walk home is, like, so iconic to me. It reminds me of the walk from the first, like, the pilot of the show where they're all walking home wet. It just reminds me of that. I love it. Yeah, just sort of the downtrodden, exhausted yes. walk through Bristol. And I think we really see Katie being a good sister in these scenes with her family and her little brother James. Like, I think it's really easy to be like, oh, Katie is a terrible sister after last season specifically. And like, she did some really horrible things, but I think in her own way, she was trying to be a good sister and do what she thought was best for Emily. And, you know, like, I think Katie was also being selfish there. Um, And uh, that comes a lot from how she was raised by her mother. Um, I think her and her mom were very similar in how they tried to deal with Emily. But I think Katie had good intentions and we're seeing her be very um, protective and comforting of her little brother here. And it's just so sweet. Yeah, She's a good sister. I will defend her. (laughs) I'm here, Katie. Don't worry. She is a lot like their mom where she wants to just keep everybody together and, like, keep everything running as smoothly as possible instead of letting everybody go in a million directions and, like, having everything just fall apart as they would think of it. Yeah. And, I mean, their family is kind of falling apart. So, like, I really feel the pressure that Katie is feeling here of, like, she is the one holding everyone together um and i i think that just comes through very well i don't think that's something they make textual here like they don't outright say it but you can really just feel it that she is the tether between everyone and it is a lot of pressure yeah and they're not even sure where they're gonna stay that night and she suggests that they just stay at naomi's which like conveniently is just a giant empty house (laughs) with so many bedrooms for everyone (laughs) yeah she moved since last season i do like this house a little better i guess there's no random people staying there like last season yeah i like the convenient large open house for them to just like stay in very very convenient (laughs) oh yeah but when they get there, Mrs. Fitch is still talking shit about Naomi, and I'm just like, oh my god, that said so much about her character to me. Oh yeah, and like Katie's like, mom, she didn't do anything wrong though, and it's like, I think we really just see that Katie has been trying to be her mother, because that's what her mother expected of her. Um, but you know, I'm I'm kind of here to defend Jenna too a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I am I'm here to defend all the assholes. Like by the end of this episode, I I really feel for Jenna too because like I think she's just an older version of Katie. She's a Katie who didn't have this crashing down to earth moment, and it's really sad. And that's kind of how I ended up at my patriarchy uh, route to, to discuss because I think that's what happened to Jenna and. It's really tragic. Yeah, I was thinking watching it that, like, they both 
have this deep desire to be like protected and taken care of and then they're like constantly disappointed by the men that are supposed to do the protecting and providing and so they have to do everything by themselves and then are like punished for having standards and high demands and i'm just like that's fucking relatable it's like (laughs) society has told them you need a strong man but like the men they've ended up with are not strong men like they are strong women and it's still on them even when society is saying you are weak you need a man like they still have to be strong and there's something really tragic about that but there's also something really empowering i think yeah definitely it just gets like sad for them you do feel sad for them that they were like these little girls with all these dreams of what their future would be like and then the world kind of kicks your ass and is like toughen up (laughs) and i think we've seen her mom's dream has completely fallen apart so we're seeing her put it entirely on katie like her marriage her other daughter emily like everything has gone to shit katie's the only thing left standing and uh just to see how that's affecting katie is sad but also it's just sad that jenna has gotten to that point as well yeah definitely it makes them so much more sympathetic yeah and just the self-awareness that katie starts to have of just being like oh i'm just like really aggressive and it's like sad that she is punished or whatever for being just outspoken and speaking her mind and standing up to people it's like oh you're a bitch and she's like oh i guess i'm a bitch and i'm just like yeah that's like what you get called as soon as you have an opinion as a woman Right. Um, I love this this exchange between Na- Naomi entering the door and just like the the witty dialogue is sparking here. I love it. The chemistry when Katie's like, oh, we lost our house. And Naomi just says, well, that was careless. <laughs> like it's so Naomi is one of my favorite characters. She's probably up there for me, like top four. Like, and that really just comes down to Lily Loveless's uh, performance. I love her wittiness. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, this watch through, I'm kind of a Naomi hater, only because <sighs> she and Emily are so toxic, and I idolized mm. them when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I want to be just like them, and now I'm like, oh, that's why I'm fucked up now. <laughs> See, that's so interesting, because I just wrote a short essay about why I'm team Naomi uh, on this time around, because, like, Naomi cheated, and that was horrible of her to do. It wasn't fair to Emily. And she lied by not telling Emily the truth. She should have told Emily. And hopefully they could have, you know, worked past that. I'm not saying they don't for uh, people watching for the first time. But I think if things had just gone differently and Naomi had been a bit more mature about it, it could have been fine. But Naomi did some really terrible things. And now we have Emily who is hurting so badly. And I feel terrible for Emily, but she's being cruel. And I don't think Naomi cheated because she was being cruel. I think Naomi did it out of like being weak and being insecure. And and I think she might've gotten into that a little bit in Emily's episode. Um, But yeah, I just like Emily's being cruel and she's, I don't know, like, like she's being awful in a way that Naomi isn't. So I feel a little bit worse for Naomi in this situation because you know Naomi is feeling bad about what she did and she's being made to suffer for it. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm team Naomi here for yeah. some reason. I think they're both like good people that should right. just break up. <laughs> exactly that's like what it is i'm like i don't really think like one person's right and one person's wrong i just think that like they should break up just break up at least for a little while (laughs) like emily cheats in this episode in front of naomi and like she's doing it on purpose and it's like that's so awful and they just should have broken up before this point right right and yeah so to go to where we are in the plot they are having a barbecue out in the backyard of naomi's house and jj's there effie and freddie are there thomas is there it like doesn't look like that fun of a party to me (laughs) (laughs) they're just they're just vibing they're just like dancing and getting drunk in broad daylight and oh my cat is being very cute oh 
You know when their ears like fold back a little bit and get yes. stuck? Yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah, this party like doesn't look fun. Emily's just like super fucked up and being yeah, she is being very cruel to everyone. She's like mad at the world. I will say, um, Emily is not expected to forgive her family. Like, just from my point of view, I'm like, you're being terrible to Naomi. You're being terrible to your mother, but your mother kind of had it coming. Yeah. You know, like, I think Emily should be the bigger person because we like Emily and we want to see her do that. But at the same time, I'm like, she doesn't owe it to her mother to let her stay here. Yeah, definitely. I can understand why she's pissed about that and is just like, okay, I guess I'll get super fucked up because I literally can't escape this situation. (laughs) So at least mentally you can like escape somehow. And so she gets really messy and starts, yeah, making out with that girl, like you said, right in front of everybody. Oh, it's so, so messy. Can we talk about James for a second? <laughs> the yeah. the little brother, James. Yeah. So, as I'm here to make everyone queer, uh, I think all of these jokes about James and his obsession with women and gender, I think they were just jokes back in the 2000s. I, if someone writing this meant it to be interpreted seriously, props to them, but I don't think that's how it was supposed to be interpreted. But looking back now, I'm like, James is totally transgender. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to use he pronouns because this is just a theory, but he is obsessed with the female anatomy and he keeps wearing uh, clothing intended for women. And I don't know, it's just like the only characteristic he has at this point, besides the fact that he's kind of like a dimwit because we get that monologue earlier where he's just like I oh KFC blah 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 yeah like, besides that it's like oh he looks at his sisters in the shower which could be a pervy thing but I don't think he means it that way like what kid who's a perv wants to look at your sister in the shower like right. so to me now just looking at all of these things I'm like he is obsessed with the female body and wants the female body he's literally wearing clothing that is made for the female body. So like, I don't know, I'm here. What do you think? A lot of shows, even people, I was, what was I watching? Like YouTube comments or something about how Drake and Josh had like really horrible transphobic jokes and stuff in it. And this show, they're really delicate about it. And everyone's like supportive of James. Like, yeah. Like he wears (laughs) that bathing suit in this episode, the one piece and like, no one says anything. It's not a big deal. And it's not even a joke. You're right. Like, it's not pointed out as like, ha, it's, it's very- There's no punchline. Exactly. Like, and I don't know if it was, I'm assuming it was intended to be a silly thing, but looking back, I, you know, it's to me, it reads as just casual queer representation. Yeah, nowadays, that's definitely how it comes across. And I think that's great. And so I yeah. just like- I guess in the future episodes, I'll just kind of be like, and then they did this, but I'm like, I don't have many thoughts on it because it's not really <laughs> offensive or anything. It's just kind of like, right. you go, James. Like, you go, little buddy. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, but they, they tell me I should be a gynecologist. And it's like, no, you're just transgender, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, back then, the doctors wouldn't be telling him that, I guess. Yeah, right. So, yeah, this party, Emily and Naomi get in a fight. There's a really concerning line where Naomi's trying to explain what happened and she says I fucked the dead girl and I'm like Naomi like let's <laughs> oh reword <my> this one <laughs> not like that I fucked her but not like that yeah I was like Naomi maybe like let's not repeat that sentence over and over again because that doesn't come across as great but it all gets aired out in front of the whole Fitch family what happened so I think we're seeing here I Tell me if I'm being too unfair to Emily, but I think we're seeing Emily be very weak here. I think she's probably trying to be strong and she's failing, but we're seeing Katie be confronted with something debatably worse than your girlfriend cheating on you. And Katie is being very strong. Katie is being sad and being vulnerable but I think she's being stronger than Emily is here. Um, and I I don't know. What do you think? I think their whole relationship is so complicated that I 
I don't know, because I, I always go back to, like, Emily did sleep with JJ. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I I have blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> like, that happened, and then it was just, like, is that an issue with Naomi? Like, does Naomi feel bad that Emily fucked right. JJ? Like... Right. I can't believe that didn't come up. (laughs) I feel like we never talked about that. (laughs) I guess they weren't technically dating at the time, but like he's still in the friend group and like it's a little weird. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how that like never became an issue between them. And it's just kind of like gone under the bridge. I think that like they all just need therapy. I say this a lot in the podcast. Like, and I guess we therapy. We have to be fair if we're talking about Naomi and their men encounters, like Naomi and Cook, uh, totally just friends, just like Emily and JJ. And not they didn't sleep together. They they got very close though, I think. Mm-hmm. Which that kiss in the last episode between uh, Naomi and Cook is such a good moment. I, I guess it could be read as like her cheating again. No, I but didn't. Yeah, like, I, a I don't take it that way. Yeah, it was just so sweet. I feel like they are in love, but in a friend way, in a very platonic way. And that's one of my favorite relationships in the whole show. Yeah, me too. I was happy to talk about it last time. I will, the only thought I, literally, if you want to know how deep my brain goes, the only thought I had in the Katie and Emily scene fighting is that I liked Emily's Eiffel Tower earrings. (laughs) That was all I noticed. Meanwhile, I'm writing an essay like, Katie's being strong, Emily is her mirror of being weak, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm just like, ooh, Eiffel Tower earrings, cute. Yeah. <laughs> they are worth noting, though. <laughs> so you did contribute, thank you. Yeah, that's as far as my brain is able to go at the moment. And then after this little spat that they have, which is like pretty hard, like Katie screeches in Emily's face. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I I just found something I wrote, sorry, which kind of clears up what I was saying, is like Emily's aggression here is the same as Katie's because they're both hurting, but Katie's being strong and Emily is being weak. Mm -hmm. That's, you know. All right, I'm done verping Emily (laughs) anyone. (laughs) I love Emily, I promise. I just... I don't I don't really like any of these characters as much as the first generation, so I'm kind of like, uh, speak your piece. Like, the only people like, I really stand are, like, JJ. <laughs> yeah, like, he's one of the only nice characters. Not very many of them are nice in this generation. And I, I read someone saying that, like, it feels like none of them are actually friends. Yeah. And, like, I can see that a little bit. Yeah, I'm just like, none of you are super likable or particularly nice, but JJ's fucking awesome. And like, Tom, I was like on the Thomas train, <laughs> Thomas the Tank I was on Team Thomas <laughs> all the way up until, I was on Thomas the Tank Engine's train this whole time until he hooked up with Andrea. And then I was like, mm-hmm. well, like JJ would never. Right. Yeah. So at this point, Thomas and Pandora are broken up, right? Yeah, and he walks in on Katie, who's in the bath, and he gets locked yes. in, coincidentally. Okay, I have a lot, <laughs> as usual, I have a lot to say about this. Yeah, of course. Like, the, the clothing thing is here again. We're seeing her be completely vulnerable. She is naked, you know, a sign of vulnerability. Uh, so I think it's really clever to have her reveal her secret while she's naked. I think that's really, really... Um, good writing and it like while it's very sweet and their chemistry is very good I was like hmm what is the greater context here yeah I was just kind of like has Katie like wanted to fuck Thomas ever like where is this coming from and then she's like you're such a big strong man and I'm just like why are you being this way (laughs) I think she's just hurting and like she's kind of using him as an object yeah and while it's very sweet they're you know they're very cute here um, I don't know. Yeah, it is, like, very uncomfortable for me. Because it's like, is it cute? Like, I, I think in know. a friend way. Like, I do not ship this in any way. I think yeah. Katie deserves a good a good man who... Thomas has those qualities, I think. But I like them more as just friends. And I'm glad they left it there. Yeah. I was really glad they didn't have sex because I'm like, that just oh, me too. would be so gross. <laughs> and the fact that we... So we've talked about how 
Katie's self-worth here is being put on the fact that she can or cannot have children. We are having a man reestablish for her that she does have worth, even if she can't do that. Um, and I'm like, did we really need a guy to do this at all, but specifically be the first one to do it? And like, I, I understand that she needed that, but also I'm like, from a storytelling perspective, I'm like, we have another scene coming up that could have worked much better as the scene where she's coming out in this way. He was literally like, and of course Thomas is trying to be nice, but he literally was like, haha, no, don't cry, you're so sexy. <laughs> right? She's like, you you fancy me, yeah? And he's like, oh, of course, you're a beautiful woman. <laughs> no, don't, don't be know. sad, you're hot. Right. So my main complaint about this episode is, while this scene is cute, I think it should have been cut for multiple reasons. Yeah, I don't think it really serves anything, and it's just, like, kind of a cheap trying to get us to be like, are Katie and Thomas gonna fuck? And it's like, no, right. so... Like, I love, like I said, the clothing where she's taking it off. I love that. Maybe we could have kept it in and just shown her getting in the bath or something. I don't know. But, yeah, I could have done without that. Yeah, I was thinking of, like, the Effie scene when she gets back from the woods and her mom is, like, helping her in the tub. And that's, like, a really good use of that, like, vulnerability in the bath kind of moment. And it would have been nice if, like, what if Mrs. Fitch came in and was, like, helping Katie in the tub? Why was Thomas there? Yes, why, exactly. Why did we need a man in this role? In an in a episode that is so based on being a strong woman and your self-worth, like, it just really stood out as, like, all right, who made the writer write this? Right. <laughs> who, who made her write this into the episode? Some producer was like, all right, Thomas and Katie. <laughs> That's just their personal fantasy, though. Yeah, He's like, make it happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it would make more sense the next scene. She's telling her mom in the kitchen that she can't have kids and she's crying. And I'm like, we could have just put those two together. Exactly. It's so weird because while it's a powerful scene of her telling her mother, it would have been so much more powerful if this was the first time she had said it to someone. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. And then uh, they're like, well, none of us are perfect. And I, and then it just kind of gets into this like cheesy like family moment of like, I guess we're all just kind of messed up, but we're going to do our best to make it work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of people who should have, you know, broken up, Jenna and what's his name? The husband? Uh, Rob, I think. I think or... you're right. Yeah. We'll just call him the new Doctor Who companion because <laughs> that'll <laughs> be later this month. Um, yeah, it's so weird. Peter Capaldi was the doctor and now we have Mr. Fitch as the new companion. I'm here for it. Big Doctor Who fan. Uh, but they totally should have broken up like this man well he is a dimwit and i see where james gets it from Mm -hmm. like he fucked over their entire family by lying first of all just being bad with money is one thing lying about it to that degree i would have been out of there so props to jenna i guess yeah yeah it's weird that they just kind of are like, guess we just love our dysfunctional family. Let's have pizza. And then they're going to make right. out. You know, and it's, it's cute. It's cute. But <laughs> there's people should not have fun. kids and get married just because they're both hot. And that's like the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great lesson. Yeah. And like I, this episode is and Skins does it often. But this episode talking, I keep talking about the clothing. That's one aspect of the writing being like layered. And I think we're seeing here at the end with this ending scene, like they've lost everything, but they've finally came together. And it's really beautiful to see that, like you don't need all these things to be happy, but at the same time, it's like, oh, they probably should have broke up. (laughs) I can have multitudes in me yeah absolutely yeah there's a lot to dissect about the role modeling they're doing for their kids for relationships did you believe that emily would come home because like we get that little scene of katie comforting her and while it's very very sweet to me i didn't believe that emily would come home I felt like that we i felt like we were missing a scene instead of that thomas scene i feel like we needed a scene between Emily and Jenna 
like maybe Emily could have been involved in that this coming out scene in the kitchen uh, about Katie's doctor visit. Like, I feel like that would have cleared it up for me a little bit. But at this point, I'm like, did Emily just, she's just visiting? Did she like leave Naomi's? Does she live here now? Like, I don't 100% buy it. That was my biggest question is in the last scene when Emily runs in with everyone and I'm like, oh, so everything's just like cool now? Like everything's right. just okay, I guess? Yeah, <laughs> I felt like we were missing some Jenna-Emily resolution. I guess that they're all just like, well, we all suck equally, therefore we're at like a neutral <laughs> point. And sometimes that's what it takes. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, they've all been pretty awful to each other, except James. I feel like James is pretty innocent. Yeah, that poor kid. <laughs> I mean, he does peep on his sisters in the shower, which, you know, sucks. Uh, you need to learn some boundaries. <laughs> but I don't think that's as bad as some of the things these other people have done to each other. No, this poor little child is going to be so screwed up from, like, witnessing all of this. Oh, we deserve a Gen Gen 20 where James has transitioned <laughs> and they are happy. Yes. I'm, I'm here for it. We can make some, like, crossover where, like, season five happens, like, 20 years in the future and James actually is Frankie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Don't get me started started on frankie so i have in my notes like oh i'm here to defend the asshole characters i'm like don't expect me to come on and defend frankie because <laughs> she is a lost cause i uh the ugh. <laughs> i'm like so excited for season five i'm just like oh my god these this season is so depressing it just gets more and more depressing as we go on and I I'm feel ready. like Gen 3 has a very similar format to this generation where that like the first half, the first season is like kind of the same, you know, introducing you. And then the second half is just very depressing, very dark. So like if you don't like this season, I don't know if you'll like the second season of Generation 3. Yeah. But the very beautiful episodes though. So. Mm -hmm. sorry getting ahead of myself yeah no it's exciting because i'm thinking about it i'm like it's coming up man Whew. it'll be a ride it'll be a, an interesting ride yeah so thank you so much for coming on and talking about this with me it was definitely far more insightful than what i would have said by myself in my little like exhausted brain so do you of have course. anything you want to promote at the moment uh my podcast gotham outsiders a batman book club is still ongoing uh we have cool guests on all the time i just spoke to some of the creators of the batman webtoon and that episode should be coming out soon uh, so that's a pretty big deal and i'm really excited about it and yeah just lots of content coming out there and you can follow me on twitter at troyfin2 where i talk about all things book related and queer related and sometimes Batman related. Uh, but yeah, give me a follow and feel free to geek out with me about skins anytime. Hell yeah. And for this pod, you can always follow at Oh Wow the Podcast on Instagram and chat with me there and on the YouTubes and whatnot, as you know. So it was great having you on, TJ. I hope you have a great night, and we'll see you all next Friday for Season 4, Episode 5, which I think is Freddy, but I could be wrong. <laughs>